Good morning, Rock Bible Church. Good to see you this morning. Happy Independence Day. Freedom of religion. What a great country. Hope you had a great uh, holiday. Hope you were safe. Uh, hope you realize that we take your safety uh, seriously here as well. And so we have cleaned and sanitized and such um, so that you have the opportunity to worship freely as our country was founded. And uh, we're going to do that this morning. We're going to get moving here pretty quickly. We're going to open a can of worms this morning that uh, causes a lot of trouble for some. And we're going to eliminate the trouble. Just going to get the can of worms. Uh, But we're going to be flying like on a bullet train. So we're going to be moving pretty quickly. uh, Because we are uh, continuing our series on doctrines. And this morning... We are progressing from doctrine of truth last week. Yeah, truth is, uh, is universal. It comes from God and several other things that we talked about last week. If that's true, if doctrine of truth is true, hit the pun, uh, then where does it lead? One of the places, places that it leads is to, well, then what is God's will? What has he decided? What has he determined? What does he want? Uh, What does he make happen? What does he control? It's this idea of many different things. And we've used lots of phrases in Christendom to communicate it and talk about it. Things like election, uh, sovereignty, predestination. Um, We say control. uh, And probably I think as I have looked at it over the last couple weeks and thinking about what we're going to do this morning, I thought, you know, one of the simple, easy ways to think about it is in terms of his will. What is God's will? And so that's what we're looking at this morning. We're going to jump in in Romans chapter 8. We're going to be verses 18 through 37. Um, So we're going to look at some uh, 20 verses or so. And we're going to fly, uh, Paul is writing to uh, the Romans in very complicated, um, detailed terms, and we're going to jump in mid-argument, and we're going to cover the parts that kind of apply to Lord's will. But this is super important because most of us as Christians, deep down we ask the question, what does God really want? What's he thinking about? How does it affect my life today? In fact, as a pastor, you know, people come, hey, can you pray for me? And can we, can we sit down over a cup of coffee? Can we talk? I'm struggling or I'm stuck or I have questions or I'm excited about this opportunity. And generally, no matter how they say it, here's what it boils down to. I want to know God's will. And I might say God's will for my life or what I should do next or whatever. But the idea is, what is God's will? And a, a lot of times we get, we get panicked, we get nervous, or we get excited, and we say, boy, you know, if I, if I just knew what God wanted me to do right now, man, I'd be set. And I want to I jump in and tackle that in some ways because it's, um, it's super important, especially right now. Today's day and age with all the tension, science, fear, hope, struggle it's it's all real and so we we really need to look at what does the lord want for us and so uh i'm excited you're here look at all you get your masks on separated six feet and the whole thing uh and we're worshiping again amen 
Let's pray, uh, and then we're going to fly. Lord, thanks for this morning, and thanks that we can bank on your truth. And then, Lord, if that, once we do that, we can ask some more fun questions. What are you doing? What do you care about? Uh, how can we be involved? And, Lord, we all, we all want to be picked for the team. We want a uniform. We want to get out on the playing field and be part of the win. And so, Lord, I pray that you would show us this morning how uh, you are going to win. And we can be involved. We can be on the team, have an active role. And so I pray that you just uh, draw us into that this morning. May it calm our hearts and our minds and let us to really sink in what's said in this passage and what we're to know from it. And I pray, Lord, that we walk out of here uh, this morning a little more confidence, a little more patience, uh, and some excitement about who you are, what you're doing. And uh, pray that you would provide that for us through this passage. Uh, guide us with your spirit. And uh, may this all honor your son, Jesus. Amen? Amen. Romans chapter 8, verse 18. Here we go. I love second service. Man, you guys are so much fun. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Ooh. The sufferings of this present time. We got, we got sufferings going on right now. I thought this was wrote, written like 2,000 years ago. Are we sure this wasn't written like last week? Oh, we got a lot of stuff going on right now, right? You got virus, racial tension, uh, politics, and all this economy, jobs, like shelter in place. I mean, so much going on right now. Uh, Paul asked this question back then. I think, I think it's as valid today is what is going on right now, is it bigger or scarier than the magnitude of what's coming, the glory that's coming? Is, is God got a plan that's bigger and better than anything that's going on right now? I have to say yes. And then I have to say, where is it? How much longer? Like Isaiah said that, right? Be back uh, in, in the book of Isaiah. How long, O oh Lord, must I wait for? And, you know, I want to catch this phrase and this verse because there's something hidden there that I want to make sure we pull out, that you catch it, rather than we just move on to the next verse. He said, the sufferings of the president are not worth comparing with the glory, right? It's going to be great later, right? Okay. That is to be what? Revealed. Ooh, think I like it, and I think I hate it. Revealed, that means I get to know it later. I like it. Later means I hate it. <laughs> I don't want to wait till later, right? I want it fixed right now. I don't want to have to cook. I just want to eat it, and it better be tasty, right? That's kind of how we try to deal with God. And yet he says, wait, I'm going to reveal things to you later. You know, the only problem we have with the Lord's will is really a time issue. Uh, you know, if, I could, if you just tell me right now, I'd be fine. You know, if I, just, if I knew 100% of what the Lord's will is for my life right now, I'd be fine. And I want to make you a promise. I can tell you 
100% of the Lord's will for your life for today. Tomorrow. Tomorrow I can tell you what was the 100% will of the Lord for today. Why? Because it's over. And now we can look back and go, oh, well, it must have been the Lord's will for me to have Mexican food for lunch. Right? I mean, that's kind of a goofy example, but I was going to have this conversation with my parents. I was going to make this decision about my future. I was going you know, to spend some money on this, not spend money on it. We, you know, 100% of the Lord's will, you can know after the fact, right? The problem we have is we want to know it right now. I want to know right now what he wants me to do today or tomorrow. I want to know the future. I want guidance. And we think that it's missing. I was, had a conversation with somebody uh, not too recently. He said, they said, uh, what are you going to be talking, you know, at church? I said, well, I think, you know, we're coming up on Lord's will. Oh, that's perfect, because I want to know what the Lord's will is. I said to him, you do. They said, no, I don't. I said, yes, you do. No, I don't. We had this argument. It was a discussion. Uh, I said, you know, like 97% of the Lord's will in your life right now. They're like, no, I don't. I said, yeah, you do. You know you're not supposed to lie or cheat or steal. How you're supposed to treat your spouse. You're supposed to honor your parents. How you're supposed to love uh, your neighbor. That loving your neighbor comes from the Lord because God is love. You know that too. You know who your neighbor is, pretty much anybody you come in contact with. And you know who God cares about. You know a lot of stuff of the Lord's will for your life. You know about uh, what his desire is for your sexuality. How you're supposed to prioritize money and not prioritize money. How you're supposed to schedule your time what you're supposed to do when you're by yourself and no one's listening or watching. or You know 97% of the Lord's will. You realize that? Sometimes I, for, I, I, I remind people because I think they forget. Do you know how much of the Lord's will you have? You have that much. You have like an inch and a half, right? For this particular Bible, ESV, it's got some commentary and stuff like that. You know what this is? This is a tough question, okay? Pretend we're in preschool. I'm going to hold up this little black book. Say, what is this? Ready? What is this? Oh, good, good. What's it about? Ooh, ooh, now we're up into like fifth grade or maybe 10th grade. This might even be a college question. It was answered for me after college. I'm hoping that you're finding out this before that time. What is the Bible about? Ooh, we don't want to answer that question, do we? I didn't either. One of my first pastors that I worked for, Dr. Laren Heath, God bless him. He's so awesome. Uh, he's spoken here. We'll have him back again at some point. Uh, he sat me down very early on, my first, one of my first ministries job. He said, Scott, what's this about? I was like, I don't know. <laughs> He said, uh, never forget, the Bible's about God, not about us. And I kind of tried to discuss it with him for a little while, and guess who won that discussion? Pastor Heath. Yeah, it is. It's a book about God. Are we in it? Amen, we're in it. Because when it comes to God, we're important. But it's really a book about God and his will who he is, what he does, all those things, right? We want to know what that stuff is. We just wish more of it was revealed to us. Here's the thing. It's going to be revealed. Do you know when? No, we don't. But I'm going to give you an answer. 
Now you're going to know when. Ready? When you're ready. When's that? No idea, not God. Right now. Yeah, there's some great rules and things that God has for you for right now. Honor your father and mother. Take out the trash when they say. Make your bed, brush your teeth. Right? There's all those, right? Love your sister, right, as yourself. There's lots of things like that. Um, the question is, how, how long are we willing to wait for some of the things we've yet to know? How long, how confident, how patient are we with revelation? His revealed will. When does it come? Uh, so that is where we're headed. By the way, I forgot this little commercial I wanted to give. We've been working through a book, uh, Christian Beliefs, by uh, Dr. Wayne Grudem. Brilliant book, very well organized, succinct, quick, clear, um, simple. It's like a smaller version of their, their toe breaker. Right? You know what a toe breaker is? A book that's so thick that if you drop it on your toe, it's going to break your toe. So he's got a, a massive book. It's in my office if you want to see it later. It'll hurt your eyes because it's so big. Um, but this is a smaller version of it. And there's a chapter in that book, if you got it, we passed them out when the series started, um, on election. There's a section on election. That's kind of what we're talking about this morning. It's, it talks about it uh, differently than we're going to cover it this morning. But it's a big help. Because it's the same concept, okay? So there's that. Let's keep going. Verse 19, for creation awaits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. There's our revealing word again. For the creation was subjected to fertility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the what? What's that last word? Obtain the freedom. You know, it's interesting. It says uh, that we as creation, we were subjected, not willingly. Ooh, what did that just say about your will? Your will is not in charge. There are things that are against your will that God is doing. And I think we're supposed to say amen to that. Um, amen? I don't know. That's frustrating. Man, if he would just do what I wanted, everything would be great not true. He did everything you wanted. It would be catastrophic, right? But we long for this revealing of if it's not our will, whose will must it be? It must be his. He subjected us to some things so that through the process, we could end up at that last word I made you say it. It's freedom, right? Great topic considering what yesterday was, right? Freedom, the importance of our own sovereignty as a nation, right? Does God have good things in plan for us later? Let's find out. We're going to keep going. Um, so uh, freedom from this bondage and corruption, the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who, ha who have the first fruits of the Spirit, Grown inwardly, we're, we're not doing so well, right? As we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. What, where's the will of God uh, leading us? You see, it says we're eagerly waiting. 
right? It says, we wait eagerly. That means we're excited about something, and we're so excited that we're, we're not, we don't enjoy patience, but we're being patient because we know what's coming is going to be awesome. It's like cake after dinner, right? Oh, oh, I just got to get through my dinner, and then, and then, frosting, right? I remember there were many, many years of my life where that was like the priority, or we have in dessert, right? Is our relationship with the Lord like that? We might have to wait through some things. Be patient. But at the same time, we can be excited about what's coming. If that's true, then it assumes that God's will has good things for us. That there's a goal we're headed to where he wants to bless us. It's a big question. Big question. What is that goal? The redemption of our bodies? Redemption means to be redeemed or to be fixed, to be whole if you're missing things. Right? I remember I, I used to, I just wanted to be taller. I'm so short. I just, I, if I could just be a little bit taller. All the other kids in middle school, they could jump up and they could ta- touch the I-beam cross supports in the hallway. And I was too short. I couldn't touch it. And, and I waited and I waited. And eventually, <gasps> I jumped. I, I remember touching it for the first time. Just thinking, I've arrived. Now it's like I realized I didn't get anything out of that. I touched an eye beam. Who cares? Did it change anything? No. But it was something I was eager for. I wanted to be whole because I thought I was missing something. Right? Now, I was mistaken as a middle school kid, uh, but spiritually, our, God's goal for us is to make us whole, to have us be redeemed. Okay? For, verse 24, for in this hope we were saved. Hope that God has good for us in his will. Now, hope that is seen is not hope. If you see something, you don't have to hope for it. You have it, right? It's kind of like a tank of gas. Man, I wish I had a full tank of gas. Then you look on your dash, and the indicator says full. Well, you don't have to worry about it anymore. In fact, I don't even think about it anymore. I'm not even paying attention to the gas stations that I drive by. But when the tank is empty, and you're on that long stretch of freeway, and you're wondering, I wonder where the next exit is. And will that exit even have a gas station? Am I going to run out? Am I going to be stuck? Am I going to be stranded? Will some be able to help me? That's when you start hoping. Not because I have it, but I'm expecting it later. That should be our view of the, of the will of the Lord. Uh, now, hope that is, not, is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not say, we wait for it with what? Patience. Yeah. Likewise, which means in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our, what do we have? Weaknesses. Realize that you're missing some things. You were never meant to be fully self-sufficient, all-inclusive. You got weaknesses. What do you think the weaknesses refer to here? That you're not tall enough? You can't touch the I-beam in middle school? No. Weakness when it comes to will. Understanding of past, present, and future. No. Weakness about what we decide, what he's decided. For we do not know what to pray. What's your weakness? Don't even know what to pray for. We're limited in our information of what we know. Who knows all that? God does. 
And so watch what it says. In our weakness, we don't, of not knowing what to pray for uh, as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Why is it too deep for words? Because there's things going on with God that are so complex, so great, so amazing, there's no way for us to be able to describe it. So can you know 100% of the Lord's will? Eh, probably not. Why? It's too complicated. There's more going on than we could ever soak in. You ever heard that phrase, drinking from the fire hose? Like there's so much information coming out, you can't handle it all. Too much water coming at you, it's, it's, the water's going to go everywhere and you're never going to be able to contain it. That's what's going on here. Spirit helps us with that. And watch, the Spirit intercedes for us. That means prays for us. Why? Because it does know the Lord. It does know his will. And he who searches hearts, isn't that cool? That God can search your heart. Knows, what does he know? Knows what is the mind of the Spirit. Ooh, so who knows God's will? God does. God knows his own will, right? It's kind of like you know what you want. He knows what he wants. That's about as basic as it gets, right? Therefore, we've got God praying for us on our behalf because he knows we're limited. That's a pretty good will. And a good will comes from a good father, good God, right? Next slide. Uh, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And there's our phrase. Now you know why we're in this passage, okay? And we know that those who love God... For those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. Ooh, have you heard that verse before? Like a thousand times? It's such a famous verse. People use that as devotional, right? And, we, and usually we use that when, when times are tough, right? Well, don't worry. The Lord's going to work this together for good. Yeah, well, that's true. For those who love God, all things do work together for good. Why? What was the last uh, phrase of the last verse? Because of the will of God, right? End of verse 27, right before 28, right? It's the, according to the will of God. What's the will of God? That he's working things together. Why? Because at the very end, what does it say? His purpose. Oh. You know what that does now? Now we got to go back and we got to look at the past. Because we all have things in our past that we're freaked out about. Oh, this went wrong. Oh, I made this mistake. Oh, I feel shame. I feel blame. I feel hurt, broken, missed out. I've had experiences I never should. I can never be forgiven. God would never be so gracious to me. Eh, wrong. Why? Because when we truly understand the doctrine of the will of God, all of those things were according to his purpose and his will. Ooh. See, we call those things bad, negative, mistakes, and yes, they were. But it's hard to call them wrong in a certain way. 
because God willed for them to happen because he had a bigger purpose of something going on that was too deep for words. You could never explain it. And the Spirit was guiding and praying for us to bring us farther along out of that stuff to where you are today and take you on a journey to a better place because he wants that for you. He's got a good purpose that is his will. Man, that's awesome. That is so cool. And yet we use this for one little incident. You know, something went bad. It's like, oh, don't worry. God's going to work that for good. He's going to work it for good or made it happen for good? (gasps) There's a rough one. If God's in control of all things, which we call sovereignty, then his will is the only thing that makes things happen. Is he really in control of all things? I have this argument with people all the time. Well, no, he only makes good things happen. Good things come from heaven above, from the Father of lights. Yes, amen. But you know, I believe that God scripturally not just allows but makes things happen that we call negative sometimes and yet he had a bigger purpose going on and he brings it through that, shows how awesome he is, how much we can handle and that he was taking care of us and brings us to a place where we're like, wow, that's how it's supposed to work. I love that. And in fact, I would love that in more than just one instance or one verse, or one time when I thought that, boy, I hope he's working that for good. Well, let me give you the next verse then. Right? Watch this. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined. That means he knew you before you were you. That kind of implies or assumes that he had a will. He has a plan if he foreknew you. He also predestined you. Hmm. Predestined. Let's talk about that. Pre means before. Destined. Destined sounds like another word that we use a lot, right? Take the E at the end out of there and add a Y. Destiny, right? I guess you'd have to take the D off too, right? Uh, Destiny. What's your destiny? My destiny is to be a football player. My destiny is to be a professional gamer in the basement of my mother's house, you know? My destiny, you know, what is your destiny? It's your purpose, right? There's another word, looks like destined. When you take the ED off the end and add nation. Destination. What's a destination? That's when dad says, hey, get in the car, we're leaving. Say, wait, where are we going? Right, what are you asking? The destination. How long is it going to take to get there? Right? And then the worst question for parents of all times is what? Are we there yet? We're not even in the core. How long is it going to take? You get a, well, are you there yet? We barely even made it out of our neighborhood. You're already asking, like, how, right? You know, we do that with the Lord spiritually. He has a destination for us. And we are like whining and complaining. Could you tell me more? And, and he's like, no, how about you shut up, get in the car, put on your seatbelt, quit asking the wrong questions, and I'll start talking. If you'd stop talking, then I'd start talking. But you're asking so many questions, and you're not even keeping yourself safe because you're doing all this stuff. You're actually delaying the process. How weird is that? You don't believe that God would delay a process for us so that we have the learning curve? 
so that along the way we're healthy, so that when you get to your what? Destination, you're ready. That's kind of weird. Why do we love the pre in the destination? Why do we love the pre? We love the pre because it means before the trip, before we get there, God has a plan. He was already thinking about it. And if he is all the things of doctrine number one, God as himself, way back last year, all-knowing, ever-present, all-powerful, then I want that guy pre. I want Before we do anything, I want him involved. I want him planning it. I want him looking over it, protecting it, the whole thing. I want him foreknowing and predestined. Right? Which, by the way, is where we get that phrase, predestination. Versus free will. Ooh, are we going to talk about that, Scott? How do I make choices? Do those affect anything? Yes. Next week. A little commercial for next week, all right? This week is his will. Guess what next week is? Your will, right? Your will gets you in trouble. Sometimes. I will cover that next week, right? Uh, Those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, That's good news, because if he uh, foreknew us and he predestined us, made a plan for us, was it a plan of mediocrity? It was a plan of, well, we're going to let you play, but in the end, you're going to lose. Not just lose, lose really bad. You're just going to be destroyed in the end. No, no. What's the goal, the standard image of the sun? By the way, on the scale of top to bottom, which, which is the scale of the sun? Is it the top or bottom? We're in the middle. Second best? Third best? Number one. Top is top, right? There you go. Those he foreknew, he predestined conformed to the image of his son. In order that, here's why. In order that means, here's why. That he might be the firstborn among many brothers. We get to be part of that. We get to be part of the firstborn thing. And those whom he predestined, he also what? Called. You know, you had a plan for Jim, but Jim was way over there. What would you do? Hey, Jim. Right? Hey, Jim, I got, I got some cake for you after. Hey, Jim. Jimmy. Yo, James. Hey. Right? You'd call him. Why? Because you want them to actually experience it. You know, it's not like God predestines us for something and then he stood up there going, gosh, I hope they figure it out. I hope they end up there. Let's see. Let's see if they stumble upon it. What if they like uh, wander around in the dark until they accidentally bump into it? I don't know. You guys want to bet on it? Here, let's see what happens. No. It says, I got an amazing plan. And Jim, get over here right now. Whoa, but first, God, I got to go do this. And okay, well, we'll just wait. We'll just wait. You okay? I'm still calling. Hey, are you done yet? Wasting time? Do you realize that sometimes you're waiting on God and He might actually be waiting on you? Ouch. Man, I learned that one in Arkansas the wrong way. It's a story for another time. But I was saying, yeah, I'm waiting on God. But towards the end of it, I started thinking, uh, he might be waiting on me. Time to me to get up and start doing something. Ooh, when the Lord's will interacts with my will, now it gets exciting. 
next week. All right. Uh, those he predestined, he also called, right? Mid verse 30. And those whom he called, he also justified. What's that? Made you right. Made you clean. Forgave you. Gracious to you. Set you up on, on his donkey, even though you were beat to heck and about to die. Went and took you and got you a place where you could get fed and taken care of and medicine, the whole thing. Right? It's a reference to the story of the Good Samaritan. He's going to take care of you. That's the, that's the best way to justify it. Man, these big theology words. And man, they're confusing and make you feel like it's time to go to sleep. Right? Or turn the game on or let's go have lunch. Predestined, foreknew, justified. Called. Called. That's nice and simple. Can't we do simple with all the other ones? Those he knew ahead of time, he made a plan for. Then he got their attention and then he made it work. How about that? I like it said that way because me, well, barely made it through public school. All right. And those whom he justified, he also, those who he took care of, he also partied with, glorified, right? Where are we headed? We're headed to glory. That sounds like a weird town in the South. Right? I'm from Glory, Alabama. You know what? That's what I mean, that'd be a great place to be for. But what, what does it really mean? Sometimes I think we forget and the country forgets, especially secular people forget. The goal, the goal is to party the right way. Not debauchery and all this weird stuff. In fact, you know what? If I ever use the word debauchery again, chastise me, okay? If I ever use the word chastise me again, flick me in the back of the head like my dad used to, okay? No, the goal of what we're meant to do is supposed to be enjoyable, that God knows you, has a plan for you. He's going to get your attention whatever way it takes to draw you in, make it work, and then you're going to be like, oh, this is awesome. And what are you going to be doing? I have no idea. Why? I don't know the will of the Lord. I only know 97% of it. And I for sure know less of the will of the Lord for your life. But you know what you're going to experience would be different than what I experience? I mean, I'm already experiencing it a little bit. I get to preach on Sundays at a church, and I'm having so much fun. Can you tell? Yeah. Now, for some of you, that might feel like torture. Wait, i got to get up in front of people and talk. No, please don't. I'm going to run, jump on a boat, and try to sail away like Jonah. God's got a plan for you, and it's different than mine. Amen. Right? But it's good. That's how his will works, right? What then shall we say? If the last verse is true, then it's way better than the verse before it. Well, you know, Scott, God causes all things to work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. Great. That's about one event. You know what foreknew, predestined, called, justified, and glorified? You know what that means? That means it's true for all events, not just one. I think it's hilarious, the verses that Christians choose to use as devotional memory verses. Because they're not always the best ones. The one after it is way better. It's just got all these big words, and so we butchered it, right? Butchered. We understand that one, right? Cut it up the wrong way. Uh, What shall we say then to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? None. 
Is that a real question? Or is he trying to make a Socratic, sarcastic point? They say no one can, can, can oppose us. Why? He didn't spare his own son, but gave him up for us. How many? All. That's going to come back to us when we do the fill-ins. It's for all people, right? Uh, how will he not also with him graciously give us some things, few things, many things? You know what he wants to give you? You know, next week we're going to talk about your will. Your will has a really big list of the stuff you want. Let's be honest, right? Don't, don't be bashful. Don't be guilty. You got a big list of stuff you want. How many of those things does God want to give you? Do you realize that? Well, Scott, that's like prosperity gospel. Uh-huh. He wants you to prosper his way. Ooh, how do we do that? That's the goal. That's the fun part. How do I figure out how I get to the place where no one can oppose him so that he can give me a great experience? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? You know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? God's elect? You are God's elect. That means you were chosen. That means there was a vote, right? Anytime someone's elected, there was a vote, right? It's a hot topic right now, right? Election coming up. There's going to be a vote. This one calls you God's elect. That means there was a vote because you're already the elect. Who won the vote? You did. Who voted? It was totally rigged, by the way. There was an election. It was totally rigged. Right? We all fear of like rigged elections. God figured out how to make sure you won. He only let one person vote. He didn't even let you vote. You couldn't even vote for yourself. He said, you know why? Because some people don't vote for themselves. Poor self-image, poor self-esteem, too many fears, too many doubts. And God says, yeah, I'm not even going to let you vote. I'm going to vote. I'm going to be the only vote, and you win. You know what that means? No one got to vote against you because there was only one vote. What a great rigged system that tells you your value. How important are you then? God says, I'm in charge. From the beginning, and I made a plan, I'm going to get your attention, I'm going to take care of you, and I'm going to make it awesome like a party. And by the way, no one else gets a vote. What's that tell us about opposition? Does not exist. Love that. Love that. It is, it is God who justifies, not other people. No one justifies who you are. I might feel good if Bryce tells you he likes you. That's a statement about Bryce. It's not a statement about you. You're valuable no matter what Bryce says. Now, Bryce will say only nice things about you, okay? It's in his contract with the church. Um, who is to condemn? Again, it's meant to mean there's no answer to that. Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, he was raised. And who is sitting at the right hand of God? Who indeed is interceding for us? See, Paul's just bragging now. He's rubbing it in. He's like, who knows anything? 
Wasn't it Jesus has died? And by the way, not just died and conquered death, but he raised again. And by the way, where is he sitting? Right hand of the Father? Yeah, who's in charge? And he's praying for you. What's that tell us about his will? Best dad ever. Right? More than that, He's interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger or sword? You've heard a verse that sounds like this, but it's a little different, right? Neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present nor things to come. That's in this passage. It's after what we're covering. If you read a little farther beyond what we're covering today, you'll run into that verse. He actually introduces the idea right here. He's saying, why? Because no one can oppose you. No one can separate you. Why? Because God voted on you himself. As it is written. See, there's this other verse. He's he's quoting this thing, right? Where it says, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Ooh, that doesn't sound good. Is that our destiny, to be slaughtered, treated like sheep, enslaved, bonded, told what to do, like when you can worship and when you can't, whether you can sing or not? That's not our destiny. In fact, Paul says it right there, verse 37, no, we're not sheep. We're not undervalued. We're not demeaned. We're not confined. We're meant for glory, for party, for good. In all these things, we are more than what? Conquerors through him who loved us. God's will is based in love, and conquerors win. Hence the prayer at the beginning. God, we want to win. Right? We want to win. Here's the good news. We're going to win. Hey, may the Lord bless the reading of his word. Amen? Amen. All right, let's boogie. I got five fill-ins for you, and I want to make sure you're clear on them. But before we get into those, when are we introduced to the Lord's will in Scripture? I mean, this is Romans. We're like, we're, we're through all the Gospels into the New Testament. I mean, heck, we're almost done with the Bible in some ways. Did it show up before then? Well, I know Jesus said somewhere in the Gospels is, not my will, but your will be done. I've come to do the will of my Father. So must have been introduced there. Is it introduced other places? Say yes. How about this? It's in every book of the Bible, period. Every book of the Bible speaks to the Lord's will. Where does it show up for the first time? Well, it had to be the garden, right? Serpent shows up, says to Eve, hey, did God really say? Are you really supposed to? And they have this little discussion. And uh, Adam's there, says nothing because he's passive, failure. And they take the fruit and they eat it. Here comes God walking in the cool of the day. They heard the sound of him and they're like, quick, hide. Play hide and seek. And I think it was Jesus says to him, hey, What'd you do? Didn't I say? And they start pointing the fingers at everybody. And then God says to the serpent, you know, because you did this, from now on, you're going you're gonna to crawl on your belly. Is that God imposing his will for the first time? Hey, lady, sorry. 
pain and childbirth from here on out and blah, 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 your desire for your husband, yada, yada. Hey, buddy, you're going to have to work the ground now for the rest of your life. From the dust you've come and the dust you're going to turn, good luck working. Is that the first time God imposed his will? Well, it's very clear that he imposes his will there. But you know, doesn't it come the chapter before? Chapter 2, God said, let's make man in our own image. Hey, that sounds like a purpose. It's something he wants to do. Uh, by the way, did he do it? Then he says, it's not good for man to be alone. Let's make him a helper. Did he uh, say, hey, uh, I got a will, and then did he do it? Did he make a helper? Yeah. Is that the first time it shows up? No, it's not. How about at the very beginning of the very first book, at the very beginning of that, in the first couple verses, right? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was null and void, shapeless or formless. The Spirit of the Lord was hovering over the surface of the waters. Why was the Spirit hovering over the surface of the waters? Because he wanted to. Is that his will and him making it happen? I, I, I kind of like the idea of the Spirit, like, yeah, I think I'm going to go out, out to the beach and kind of hover over the waters. You know, probably wasn't beaches at that point. But, hey, I'm going to do the things I want. Is that the first time it shows up? Pretty much, right? <gasps> or, ooh, first service missed out on this one because I forgot. This is your first, second service extra. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Why'd that happen? Why'd he create it? Because he wanted to. We get God's will in the very first verse of the Bible, right? And then every verse after that, because he's in control of all things, right? Well, what do we need to know about it? Let's fly through these. God has determined his will. God has determined his will. That's number one. What's that mean? That means you don't determine it. God himself and only him, right? Only one vote. No one else gets to vote. He's determined what will happen and will not happen. And eventually he's going to get whatever he wants, however he wants, when he wants it. That's it. Ouch. You don't get to decide. The sooner that you figure that out, the sooner you'll think differently about God's will and the better off you'll be. Because instead of trying to impose your own will, you'll be trying to figure out what his is. And you'll be on a healthier path every single time. Right? That's the first one. Let's move on. Number two, you were a decision God made. You were a decision God made. What's that mean? You're here on purpose. You're here by design. You are perfectly the way he decided to create you, right? Which, by the way, verses 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, I kind of did this last week and it was fun, so I thought I'd do it this week too. And every single verse, Paul calls you a name. Paul's name calling. You know what he calls you? And all calls us in all five verses, five times? Creatures. He says, for all of creation, and then creation is hoping, and then creation's waiting eagerly. Five times, Paul calls you creatures. Could have called you sons of God, or right? Humans, or men and women, or believers. or I mean, so many different phrases for us in the Bible, and yet here, five times, which is significant, he makes sure that you understand you're a creature. What's implied there? 
Where do creatures come from? A creature comes from a creator. That means you were created. That means he said, I think I want to make something. I'm going to make it. Here we go. And I'm going to call it Brent. That's my Brent. I like Brent. Brent is exactly the way I designed for Brent to be. Pretty good, right? What's that mean? That you're on purpose. That means God's the only one that gets to make a decision about you. No one else. Well, Scott, it says you were made. Like God made a decision, right? Past tense. You were a decision. God made. That's all past tense. What about now? Shouldn't it say you are a decision God makes right now? Yeah. Absolutely. Still true. You're a decision God's going to make later as well. But why did I put it past tense this time? To make sure that long before you were here, God was already determining your value. He'd already made, made decisions about you long before your will even existed. Right? And here's the one you're going to really have trouble with. Does God's will force your will? Do you even have a will? Oh, no, now we're spinning. That's okay. It's a deeper discussion for when we all get doctorates, okay? That's for later. Number three, God predestined to value and chase us all. Remember I said how many, and you said all. I said, hey, it's going to come back in the feelings. How many of us does he value and chase? All of us. Remember it said those he foreknew, he predestined, those he predestined, he called. Hey, Jim, Jimmy, James, get over here. Hurry up, right? He's trying to call all of us. That's the thing our culture needs to hear right now. We start talking about who's valuable and who's not and when. What we as Christians need to make sure we hold on to and proclaim as loud as we can, as often as we can, that from the beginning, all were valuable and God is calling all to himself. It leaves no one out. Huge and important. Number four, God will justify and bless at his own pleasure. God will justify and bless. Justify, what's, that was that word. What's it? He's going to make it right. And he's going to bless you. What's, what's bless? Let's go back to glory. Remember what I said glory was? Starts with P, ends with arty, right? Party. God wants to make it right and party with you. Enjoyable. Now, what's that last phrase? At his own pleasure? At the pleasure of his own will, that's what he's going to do and when. Because you tell me that he wants to justify and bless me, now I'm excited. Sweet, let's start. Can we start right now? Where do I need to go? I'll get in the car. How much money do I need to bring? How many people can I put in the car with me? Let's go, let's go, right? And he makes us wait. Because he's going to do it when he's good and ready, right? When he's good and ready. When's God good and ready? Okay, this one, let's get ready for this. Okay, this one's going to hurt. Okay, cover yourself up. Ready? Here it comes. When you're good and ready. God's always ready. Right? Kind of like, when are you ready to get married? Never. So you're always ready to get married. 
because you're never going to be in the perfect position to get married, so you might as well get married, right? When's God ready? Always. When are you ready? <laughs> Not always. Maybe God's waiting because you need to learn something. Maybe God's waiting because you need to confess something. Maybe God's uh, waiting because you need to fix something, change something, ask for forgiveness, learn something, get stronger, get more confident, get more humble. I mean, there's so many things God could be doing in your life, and he's like, you know, because I think God does that with him and the Spirit and Jesus. They have a little comedy trio. They sit up in heaven and go, eh, think, you think Berglund's ready yet? No, look what he just did. What a knucklehead. Let's just wait a little bit longer. He's almost ready. Kind of like cooking a good steak. Eh, I got to burn it a little on the outside and then let the inside simmer eventually. And then when we're ready, then he makes it happen. Because his timing's perfect. It is at his own pleasure. Okay? Number four. Uh, that was number four. Number five. Last one, uh, a set will has no opposition. A set will has no opposition. What's that mean? God has made some decisions, and they will not change. Let there be light. Has there been light ever since? Yeah. Well, yeah, but it goes down and it comes up. Yeah, that's in the passage too, by the way. He decided that it's going to go up and go down like that, huh? They're going to be animals. Yep. Are there still animals? Yep. There are birds. Uh huh. Are we? Are men and women going to leave your father and mother and cleave to each other and become one? Yep. Still got that. How many things has God said? Hey, this is my will. It's going to happen. All of them. God doesn't change His mind when it comes to His will, as the way we understand it. Well, yeah, but there's that one passage where it looks like he changed his mind because he's having this argument or discussion with Abraham and they're up on this. And then the one, like, if there's enough people, yeah, was he having a discussion to change his own will or was he trying to modify Abraham's will to get in alignment with what God cares about? Look at it that way and the passage comes alive in new ways. And here's the thing we need to understand about God's will. You have to think about it differently. It is totally different than a human will. And he has a set will. He came to Abraham and to Moses and to David and to all the people before them and after them said, I will be your God and you will be my people. And guess who's still on the planet today? No matter, every, like every generation, they've tried to wipe out Israel. They've tried to wipe out the Jews. And who's still standing? Undefeated. God. Not Israel. They've lost drastically. But they're still here. Why? God wills it so. Period. And a set will has no opposition. I used to come to my dad. Dad, I got this idea. Well, I'm going to go into it, and I need some money, and I'll be, I got to leave it, and I'll be back at this time. What do you think? No. <laughs> what? But dad, all the things I would say, right? No. But what if? No. Can we have a decision? No. Is there any way? No. There were times in my life where my dad's will was set. <laughs> you know what I learned? Couldn't change it. There are certain times where God just says, this is the way it's going to be. Sexuality will work this way, period. Money will work. The time works like this. Life works like this. Biology works. All of the sciences. You know why scientists hate us? 
Because pretty much the rules of science don't change. There's a set will for the rules of science that God has set in order, and they don't change. And the more we will pay attention to that as Christians, we'll recognize all the systems were meant to work together. It's just our understanding of how they all work together is limited. He has yet to reveal all of it to us. And so we got to kind of play along with the scientists, right? we got to stop trying to oppose God and his will and what he's trying to do. He says, there are certain things I'm going to do. That's the way it's going to be. What that leaves us with on the your will side that we're going to talk about next week. Do you want a steep learning curve? A difficult, you want to learn the hard way? Or do you want to try and follow the path? It's a great question. What do you believe about the Lord's will? How much can you accept it? Lord, thanks for your will. Thanks for your truth. Thanks for so many things that you control, uh, make decisions about, predestine, determine. We thank you most, Lord, that you elect us, that you choose us, that you made decisions about us. Thank you, Lord, for what that says about who you are and what's important to you, your value. Thank you as well. So what it means about our value, who we are. And pray, Lord, that as you teach us those two things, you teach us about a third thing, and that is the value of others around us from before time, all of them. Priority to you. Thank you for the freedoms that we have, Lord. Pray you protect them, protect us, even sometimes from ourselves. Thank you for the offering that we're about to receive, Lord. Pray you bless it. Pray this in your son Jesus' name. Amen.